Welcome to the Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks podcast. Sunday Talks is a weekly roundtable discussion about theological and cultural topics. For more information and show notes, visit whbcconway.org forward slash Sunday Talks. Here's your host, Pastor Larry White. Welcome to Sunday Talks. This is our Sunday night conversation that we've been doing now for several weeks, and we're getting back to the beginning. The very first conversation I had was with Greg Childress and J.D. Carricker. That's right. And I didn't ask Greg to come tonight, so it's <laughs> J.D. Uh, but uh, last week we talked about Christian worldview with Richard Henley, in fact, the last two weeks. And as we were having that conversation, uh, J.D. and I began talking about uh, what he was doing with students on Wednesday night and talking about apologetics and really some very similar parallel kind of things that we talked about in that in that conversation and so um i said hey we need to we need to package this into a into an episode and so that's what we're going to do tonight uh, y'all hopefully know jd he's our minister of students here and been here how long have you been by april 14th of last year so about so a year and a half year and a half and uh uh, we're so glad to have him here, and uh, it's good to have you back on Sunday Talk. Yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to get to be a part and, of it. And again. hey, he's got he's got a great uh, you know if you if you're listening to this you can't see this, but uh, if you're watching you know that he's got a great taste in, in clothing. So <laughs> he just happened to wear the same shirt today. So, but uh, we're going to talk about apologetics, and and simple way for me to define that is just our defending our faith uh, to be able to give a reasonable. Uh, rationale for why right. we believe the Bible, why we believe in, in Christ and the gospel. And so uh, we're going to talk about atheism, agnosticism, skepticism. Uh, but we're going to start with Scripture. And Absolutely. So, so, That's where you uh, want to... You we're going to start and finish with it. So you, you get us started. All right. I'll get us started with uh, 1 Peter 3.15. It says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect mm. yeah and and that's the that's the part i want to dive off into first is that we like you just stated like we have a a reason we have to have confidence yeah. you know because uh, because we have a reasonable and and, and rational belief mm-hmm. you know in 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 Christ and this Christian belief and we have to speak with confidence but we have to rely on those last two words of yeah. verse 15 which is gentleness and respect yeah. I don't I don't and, and I know I'm comp- I'm competitive I know I am I played I played college sports and 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 I have a competitive nature about me but as as Christians, like when we get into a conversation with non Christians, we tend to just want to win the argument. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't think about what we're what we're genuinely trying to do. Like the goal is not to win the argument. The goal is to win them to Christ. Right. And so, and that that I feel like that's why this verse is is so is so important. And I think if there's anything that Christians in in the 21st century and 2020 during COVID right now need to hear, is that our goal is not to win arguments. And, right. And it's a political season. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I I just the other day on Facebook was not trying to be political, was making a statement and and. Uh, just saying about, you know, it was related to abortion because I think abortion is an issue that, that Christians need to be aware of and need to speak out about and, mm-hmm. and uh, speak against. Yep. Uh, but in trying to not be political, boy, I opened up a can of worms. And uh, I think it was primarily among Christians, but um, 
I finally just deleted it. It's like, this is not worth this. But there is such a, I think sometimes Christians feel like we're so, you know, we're so persecuted, we're so pushed back, which we're not really persecuted that much in the United States, honestly. Just go someplace else and you see that. Right. But that we, we feel like, and we are competitive, we want to win. But again, keeping that end goal in, we want to see somebody come to Christ. And, and many of the questions that we're going to talk about today are legitimate questions that people are really struggling with that don't know, you know, that they don't have any idea what the answer is, and they only know what they've been taught, uh, that maybe they've never opened a Bible, they've never had a reason to open a Bible. Right. Uh, and so they have a very slanted view, and they're just, just as we often speak out of what we've been taught, that's the same thing. And so uh, it's it's the kindness and gentleness. Um, I, we just, I just can't say enough on that, that, you know, uh, the Bible says that the world's going to know us by our love. Yeah. One, our love for each other, but I also so think it is for our love just for other people in general. Wow. And I think about this, you know, we were out, we go to staff lunch once a week, and I watch people watch us, and I'd figure out pretty quickly, because sometimes we'll have a shirt on that says where we're from, they're watching to see how we're going to respond. They watch what we say and do, and I, I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves on this whole conversation, but I, I do think it's important you balance those two things. We need to be... We need to be articulate what we believe. We need to be able to, you know, to, to answer the questions. But the kindness, gentleness, and respect. That that, that first first Peter three fifteen. Every Christian ought to underline that in their Bible and ought to ought to mark that. Well, because in the end, like you're just talking about, you know, you, you felt that your post got turned political. Like there's nobody. I've never heard anyone say. You know, he uh, he won me over with his logic on social yeah. media, and I came to know Christ. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't Facebook happen. Facebook saved me, yeah. right? Facebook saved me. No, but but there are people who have who have genuinely come to know the Lord and have relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ, and it's because someone showed them the love of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So we ha- we have to quit trying to win, yeah. and and just in the end, gentleness and respect, and so. So I thought what we could do is I want to I'm going to break down like three different non-theists yeah. like we talk I, and so I want to kind of give a statement of each one of them. Okay. So skeptics, like an easy way to understand is skeptics is I doubt that God exists. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what explains like the definition yeah. of a skeptic. Yeah. Um, the definition of agnostics is I don't know if God exists. Mm-hmm. And then atheist is God doesn't exist. And I had, a, I had a student tell me the other week, he said, well, I had somebody tell me that he's agnostic and atheist. And I was like, yeah, yeah he can't, he yeah. can't, yeah. he can't be, yeah. he can't be both. Like you, you have to, you're one, you're one of these, yeah. you know, and, and most people in the end really are either agnostic or what, what you call a practical atheist. And we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. later, but because most people, most people are probably not confident enough to actually say whether there is a God or there isn't a God, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so, and so they're going to fall into that agnostic area of I don't know if God exists. Yeah. You know, they they just maybe feel it's impossible to really know if God exists, mm-hmm. or they just don't care. Yeah, one way or the other. Yeah. So, and you know, this is so relevant to your time. I think back. I was a youth pastor thirty years ago. And if I ran across a teenager who said they were an atheist or an agnostic, I mean, it was, it'd be very rare, even in a large high school. I mean, you know, they, most of the kids would say, you know, like, there's many that say, I don't care, I'm, I might be skeptical. Yeah. But, but to go that, it was, it was a rarity. 
you have today, and I'm not just talking about our youth group, but just any youth group of 10 kids, you're going to have one occasionally who says, you know, I think I may be an atheist. That's in the church. Yeah. That's here that's attending. Maybe he has grown up in the church, but but through through you know conversations they have with other people, this is very relevant. And, and, and I know there's some grandparents that watch this. You need to be listening to your grandkids and the conversations you have with them and what they're reading, what they're listening to, the influences in their life. Um, this is and this is not going to we're not going to see this fade away. This, right. this is something right. the church better. We're behind the we're behind the game a little bit here because we haven't been prepared for this in the past. But uh, this is there are so many that would fall in this category. I think if you would go to UCA or Hendrix, probably you know, it wouldn't be so much as CBC, but certainly on those campuses, we would find a number of students who would say, "This is right where I am." You know, I I I I'm skeptical about this whole thing. Uh, uh, I don't, or I just absolutely do not believe that God exists. And I say this oftentimes, preaching, that I don't believe there are any real atheists. I don't think there's anybody that if, if you could if you could dig into their heart and in their mind that they they don't want to believe in the God we believe in. They, right. they don't want to they don't want to accept that He's real because that means I'm going to have to change my life, exactly. or, or I'm going to have to yeah. deal with Him one day. Yeah. So if I just ignore His existence or, or or speak against Him, maybe I'll I'll feel better. You know, we talked about this earlier. The statement there's no there's no atheist in foxholes. It's amazing how you know even people who'll say they're atheist or I'm agnostic. We'll, we'll talk about prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, who are you, who are you praying, praying to? to? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who are you praying yeah. to? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's and I think some of it is just what you pointed out that stu- that students they don't even know the difference between agnostic and atheist. To have a student tell another to tell a student of mine I'm agnostic and atheist like they don't even they just want the the comfort yeah uh, well if I say one of these things then I can do whatever I want. I right. don't even know genuinely what I believe and so. So that's not, I mean, just doubting, it just, it just, mm-hmm. there's not a, a way for, some of them don't understand genuinely right. what they do believe right. or don't believe. But, well, let's dig into some of these objections okay. that people bring up and, and I'll let you just take off and I'll jump in when I need to. All right. So, so the first objection is, hasn't science disproved God? You know, and uh, J.D. Greer, a pastor in North Carolina, most of you are also aware, or maybe you're not, he is the president of the Southern Baptist yeah. Convention. Uh, he listed a re- bunch of reasons that point, to a, point us to a reality of a God, more specifically Jesus. And I can't, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I just wanted to hit yeah. on a few with yeah. you and have you kind of share mm-hmm. some of that as well. The first one is... What points us to God is the fact that materialism doesn't satisfy us. Mm. So materialism, mm. things of this earth don't satisfy us. You know, when we when we get what we want, we still want more. Yeah. I mean, that I can that's, I can. That's one of my favorite sermon titles that I've never used. Uh, you got what you wanted, but you didn't want what you got. Got what you wanted, but you didn't want what you got. I mean, I mean you look at so many celebrities, so many millionaires. Oh yeah, got everything they want, you know, but it's never enough. Just, right, just what you said. Exactly, exactly, and and it, so we we want we want eternity in a temporary thing, in a mm-hmm. temporary world, and that's that's not possible. And, and and what happens is that our hearts, in in reality, our hearts are longing for God. Yeah, and that's what excuse me, that's what JD Greer was getting at with one of those points. The other one is, and this one, this one can come across a little a little harsh, but it's 
the point is there's a problem of human rights and an accidental universe. Hmm. Because if everything was an accident, if we're here, we're just here by chance, you know, hmm. and Darwin is right, like only the strong survive. If that's true, then why are we so why are we so upset at Hitler? Yeah. I mean, if only the strong survive, then we shouldn't be upset at Hitler. Mm-hmm. The, he, he, the strong survived. You know, why do we feel that certain things, and I was always taught as a kid, you know, when I said, well, that's not fair. And they said, no, fair is where you show a pig. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if certain things aren't fair, then there, there isn't a higher court of what makes justice. If things are fair and aren't fair, then that means there is a yes, yeah. a, a system yeah. uh, of of unfair and just in a higher a higher court, so to. And think. I think that is one of the best places to take a person again with kindness and gentleness is once we talk about fair and unfair and justice. So where do you get the ideas for that? Where did that come yeah. from? You know, and and you you can it always goes back to the existence of God and that yeah. God God has given us this idea. Yeah, yeah. and there's a uh, there's a and I think we'll get to it later, of moral good and moral evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I just walk up to you and punch you in the face and you're like, well, that wasn't, that's not very nice. That, it, it, to who? What, what is nice? Right. What is, so that's right. bad. So that's, there's good. Right. But anyway, yeah. so um, the, the, one of the other things is that J.D. Greer mentions is the persistency uh, the persistence of Christianity in history mm-hmm. uh, and how that points us to God. And uh, <laughs> there was a, uh, there's a guy named Voltaire mm-hmm. who predicted that Christianity would be extinct, extinct within a hundred years of his death in 1778. Yeah. No, we're still here. <laughs> yeah, we're still, right. <laughs> and ironically, a hundred years after his death, his house was transformed into a Bible printing yeah, yeah. Uh, press. That's a great, so, I love that yeah. story. That's a that's, story. So that's, I mean, needless to say, like, I mean, the, the Christianity is not going anywhere and it's flourishing in, in Asia and, you know, in, in other countries in China and South America, like Christianity is, is growing. Yeah. So. Well, and, you know, the, 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 that's, and it, others have tried to stamp it out. I mean, you know, They've done everything to, you know, to imprison, to, to murder Christians. And even in, in communist countries where they've had to go underground, it flourishes more so there than it does here where we have openness to, to uh, preach the gospel and do what we want to. Yeah. Um, it's just, it just, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, uh, support to that that idea. Yeah, and and there's stories there's stories in in Asia uh, where where people don't get don't get whole Bibles. Yeah, they get they get one page, and and they treat that with the utmost respect. Where they where they learn from cover to cover that entire page before right. they pass it off to someone yeah. else. Yeah, you know, I mean we have the whole Bible and and we take it for granted. Right. You right. know. So. Yeah. But, uh, let's see. What was the other? Oh. <laughs> The question of the origin of the universe. Yes. You know, the, the question is simple. Like, where did the where where did the Earth come from? Where did the universe come from? Mm-hmm. And and we're taught that it's the Big Bang theory. Yeah. You know, that started it all like a single point that exploded, and the universe as we know it began to exist. Mm-hmm. Right. But with with that question, or it lends itself. That statement lends itself to another question, like. Where did that single point come from? 
Right. Like I, I, I was watching a video, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. It's an older video, but he was like a world-renowned atheist, mm-hmm. and um, and he was being he was there was a, a a pastor that was that was having a discussion a debate, yeah. and uh, the 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 gentleman literally said when he was talking about the Big Bang, he said that that there was nothing there, and then something existed. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and the pastor said, so you're telling me something came from nothing, you know, and, uh, and he said, can you explain how something came from nothing? And this entire audience, like he, he was just caught way off yeah. guard because he yeah. realized what he had said out loud and how that made right. absolutely no sense. Like where did that original point come yeah. from? Yeah. Where did that start? And I, you know, I think that's a great place to talk about how the whole sharing the gospel is that I think we can start with creation, and and I've, I've never seen somebody logically argue that. We talked about a video with Richard Henley. We were talking about Christian worldview, where professors like the ones you just mentioned were interviewed, and the more they were asked questions, the longer you got into it, they couldn't defend what they say they believe. Right. And it took much greater faith to believe that than what we do about creation. And uh, but I think it's a great place to start. That once if we could we could see someone say, okay, listen, well then. There had to be some higher intelligent being that created all this, that started all this. So then, then it opens up the way to share the gospel. And I think that's, I think that's why God gave us Genesis in the beginning to point to give us that opportunity. Um, and and uh, man, we're right here in Conway, Arkansas. We've got a huge high school, got thousands, got ten, over ten thousand colleges just at UCA, much less the other two campuses. Um, and they are they are grappling with these things, and, mm-hmm. and and particularly this issue about how things all began in science. And so I think it's great for us to be able to be able to defend why we believe what we believe on that. Right. And, and people tend to think, oh, well, the, the Bible is a, it, it is a science book. Well, it's it's not. It's not yeah. a science book. Right. This is this is a Bible that talks. This is a Bible. This is a <laughs> book that talks about God's redemptive work in our world. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, and, and the thing is, like, this book's not at odds with science. Right. Like, God, God made science, so it's mm-hmm. like God's cool with science. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't enjoy science at all. <laughs> yeah. But God created science, so He's cool with it. So, you know, and science doesn't really always answer the question why. It, it might give you a how, but then God fills in, yeah. fills in all of that stuff with why, and. I mean, if you, if you think about if we just strictly lived off of science, if science is the only thing that we're going to believe in, mm-hmm. then life's, I feel like life's pretty stinky. Like just yeah. bleak. Yeah. That's not a word I use often, yeah. but bleak would be the, yeah. you know, the definition of what life would be, you know, but, but God gives us an understanding of the how, the why, and the purpose in this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this was, so this is my favorite, this is my favorite one um, because there's a, a little bit of Josh McDowell that I mix in with mm-hmm. this. So um, the prophecies of the Old Testament point us to Jesus being God. So there's over 400 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, yeah. right? And, and some of them uh, have, could have been coincidences, coincidences, but some of them are way too specific. And so yeah. Josh McDowell, obviously, uh, he's a famous famous Christian author and speaker, he looked at the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and came up with a mathematical solution of the prop of for believing Jesus is the Messiah. And what he did was he took eight of the prophecies. 
So he took the probability of a man fulfilling just eight, mm -hmm. a man fulfilling eight of the prophecies of the over 400 prophecies is one, we're in one in 100 quadrillion. Wow. Which is a one with 17 zeros. Yeah. For wow. those of you that are taking notes, that's yeah. 17 <laughs> zeros. I don't know. And so... That's the equivalent. So this is where Josh McDowell, so I just think this is perfect. So Josh McDowell, the way to give you an idea of one in a hundred quadrillion, you take the entire state of Texas, right? And you fill it, it it's, the entire state of Texas is two feet deep of half dollars. Two feet deep with silver dollars, right? Mm -hmm. You grab the entire state, you grab one of those, you put a red X on it and you throw it into Texas and then a blind man walks into Texas <laughs> and finds that one, the one he picks up is the one with the X. That's the odds of a man yeah. fulfilling just eight of the yeah. prophecies. Wow, that's, that's I mean, incredible. That's, yeah. I mean, our Heavenly Father keeps all of his promises. Yeah. You know, and that, I just thought that was a lot, the, the, one of the, the coolest yeah. examples. Yeah, and, and I think, I don't know if it's where the book came from, or that was from that book, but uh, his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he, he really examines, and it's an old book, but it's so relevant. His son is out now doing some of the same work that he did. But, yep. you know, as a youth, I was benefited from that and some of the teaching he does. And it's still good that he's still out there doing that. Uh, I got one more, and then we okay. can yeah. you know something else. So um, this one, uh, Jesus makes personal claims about him being God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people want to say that Jesus, oh, well, he was just a good teacher or, mm -hmm. or a good man. Um, excuse me, but C.S. Lewis, I have a quote, and I won't read the whole thing, but C.S. Lewis has a great, a great quote uh, where he kind of gives an example as the, the problem with, with that line of thinking. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's one, that is the one thing we must not say. This is C.S. Lewis. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. Mm. You have to make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or a madman or something worse. Mm -hmm. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Mm. Yeah. But he says, but let's not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us and he did not intend to. Yeah. And that's yeah. powerful. That's I mean, great. you yeah. think, you look at that, like, that's not, if, if all that stuff, if none of that's true and Jesus is not God, then he, he fabricated it and, and he, he's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, that is the slippery slope that a lot of the mainline denominations and more liberal Christians have come to of, uh, through the years, through decades, of starting with, you know, let's focus on the words of Jesus. It's like, it's, it's, it's been the endorsement for a lot of, bad theology let's just take the letters in red and look at what he said he wasn't and they focus on the teaching and not the whole of scripture right and, and again it goes back to you know i heard put this way with what lewis said that he's a liar lunatic or he's lord yeah you know? yeah and and uh um you know c.s lewis was a great apologist too by the way and a lot of a lot of his writings are right. powerful um 
But uh, yeah, that, that's uh, um, again. And here's a great thing: is about if a, if a Christian would just kind of have in there, maybe even take some notes from this, and, and you, you'd probably be glad to share with them okay. notes you share with me. But just to have this in your hand, maybe put it in your Bible, or just so when you're encountering somebody and they ask those questions, to be able to come back and refer to some of these things and say, you know, this is again with kindness and gentleness. But let, yeah. let me just tell you what the Bible says, or what you know, what what uh, I can give you some evidence here. Yeah. And uh, um, you know, some people are never going to want to hear the truth, but it's our job to stand on the truth, speak the truth, speak the truth in love. And uh, um, these are some great these are some great tools people can use for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, we we talk about you know what was Jesus even a real a real person. Yeah. You know, we we say, okay, well, he was a moral teacher. No, 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 he wasn't a good teacher or a good man. Okay, well, was he even real? Is he just yeah. this made up person? But but there's there's evidence outside of the Bible yeah. that proves that Jesus existed. I mean, I don't feel that we have to prove that to use the outside evidence. I, I think we can say, okay, that's that's like me at saying, okay, I need you to prove that George Washington existed, but you can't use any 17th century American literature. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's kind of contradictory. Right, right. But. We have outside evidence. We have, and we've got some guys with some weird names, and you've got, you've yeah. got somebody that yeah. you, that you mentioned. Well, Josephus wrote. A, a, I got a, I got his volumes in my in some of them anyway in my library. I can't read a lot of it, but but he was a first century historian that verified the claims of Jesus. Uh, carries on, you know. In fact, I went I went and did some little little research this morning on. Uh, looking for outside evidence of in, in the History Channel, which I love to watch the History Channel. Anyway, oh yeah! But on their website, history.com, there's a great article about is Jesus was Jesus a real person? And so they're not taking the Bible. I mean, they're not denying the Bible, but they're they just go through. They use Josephus. They use some Roman historians. Uh, they make a great point when they said, uh, you know, the Jewish rabbis, even to this day. Don't like Jesus. I mean, it's, he's kind of he's defeating their their arguments, you know. And uh, and the ones that were living in the earlier times, but none of them deny his existence. All of them acknowledge that there was a man named Jesus, right? And, and that he said what he said and did what he did. And so, if if he didn't exist, you'd think you know uh, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be touting that and promoting that. But there was there was in that article as well. There was a survey in 2015, which is. Concerns me because a lot of times things that happen in Europe tend to end up over here. But in 2015, the Church of England, which is government church, uh, certainly wouldn't look like any of our churches here in in, in uh, uh, Baptist churches anyway. But they did a survey in 2015 of the adults in their church. 22% of the adults denied the existence of Jesus as a real person. I mean, they're in a church that that supposedly is supposed to preach you know some some sort of gospel, but denies Jesus' existence and um, and again, I think it goes back to how many teenagers, how many college students, how many even adults, maybe here in Conway, Arkansas, maybe that even go to church, question, man, is this, is this really even, is any of this even real? Right. You know, is, 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 is all this just a fairy tale? Is all this just some moral teaching? And, you know, maybe, because if, if they can't accept the virgin birth, they can't accept, you know, his resurrection, well, maybe he didn't even, 
Or maybe even in, didn't even exist. So, but I think that, I think as you said, there's there's certainly evidence from Scripture. But I think there's outside one of the one other thing in the article, and I'll stop talking about the article that I read. So I'm just proving that I can read. That's all but, I uh, prove yeah, is that I can read. That, <laughs> I think it was 99.9, but I'll settle for 99 percent. Okay. They said that 99 percent of people living in the day that Jesus lived, uh, that there wouldn't be any archaeological evidence of their existence. Uh, Certainly not a peasant, which Jesus was. He didn't have his own home. There was there was nothing he left behind, and he didn't even, he didn't even leave his body behind. You know, I mean, he, he was right. resurrected, so there was nothing there. But none of the other people living in that time period, for the most part, would have any. There would be no proof of that as well. Just wow. like you mentioned, George Washington. If I had to go back and 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 uh, go back a few couple centuries to my own ancestors, where there were no photographs, you know. Yeah. Other than maybe there being some, maybe there's a birth record or something, but you know, could I, could I truly uh, prove to you that they existed, you know? So, well, I mean, because you've got the the Greek writers, like you talked about Josephus, and there's one uh, Tacitus. um, He, in the, he was an early second century writer, and um, he wrote about Nero's persecution of Christians and then explains this is, this is a, a Greek writer. He says, the founder of this name, Christ, had been executed in the reign of Tiberius by the pro, uh, procurator Pontius Pilate. Yeah. So, so you think about this. So he's admitting. I mean, there's a the that Jesus yeah. is a real person. Yeah. So Jesus, who had a, a man, he had no money, no political power, and no no military strength. Like he's still in a, a very was and is still a very important person. He never traveled more than 150, 200 miles in a general yeah. area. And, and he only did ministry for three years. Yeah. Three years. And, and the fact that everybody is still talking about Jesus. Yeah. That means either Jesus is crazy or he really did and, something amazing. And that would make us all crazy. Right. Too. And we're all crazy. I mean, you think, about, you think about just three years of ministry and how long ago that was. For, for this time and this day and time, I can think back three years, even a year of a YouTuber that's this huge sensation and everybody's watching and following it and now they're gone. Right, right. They're, they're gone. I mean, we don't even think about them anymore. So, I mean, Jesus must have been different to be given three years of ministry and to us still be talking about him. Whatever Jesus did had to just be yeah. incredible because we're, we're still sitting here. We're still arguing. Right, we're still right. talking. Yeah. So... We've got a big portion to bite off in the last few minutes we got. Yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 there's just a lot here. This probably should have been a two-episode thing as well. One of the things that people argue, and if we want to really do apologetics, and maybe we just introduce this, is to deal with the problem of evil. Why is there evil in the world? You, right. kind, of, you kind of addressed that earlier about fairness. Um, but I think that's, that is a great launching point when we, when we are asked that question um, we need to be able to have a reliable answer, a right. rational answer, to be able to respond to people and to be able to help them. Uh, you know, so anything you want to so, say about that. So God can create, God can create free creatures, right? But He can't. If He creates free creatures, He can't cause or determine them to do what is on, only is right. Mm-hmm. So if if He does. For them to only do right, then they aren't free. Right, and so that goes to a, a thing called the free will defense. And there's a, a, a guy from a really smart professor. He didn't come up with it, but he just kind of termed it mm-hmm. a little easier. And it, it, it says, you know, if God creates these creatures, then if He made them free, where they only do right, then they're not free, and they don't get to do what is right freely. Mm-hmm. So to create, create 
creatures of moral good, then they have to have the access to do moral evil right, as right. well. You know, and no one wants love from someone that is that is, that you're made to love them. Right. You know, and so you know some of the free creatures that God created sadly went wrong, and they decided to exercise their freedom, and that's the source of of, of moral evil. God wants God wants His people to love Him and worship Him freely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why there is evil because we are free to do good or evil. Right. So. And, and two things I would add to that, along those lines, is that the, uh, you know, that when people question evil in the world and all these kind of things, is that, you know, as you just said, we make choices and the consequences of those choices. Even when we, you know, even when we are repentant and we want to fix things. It doesn't change that we set things in course when we did something. You know, mm-hmm. when we did an evil act, we said the wrong thing, and we committed a crime. Those consequences still carry out. Other thing I would say when people talk about evil in the world and and you know why how bad things are, is to draw them back too to all the good things. You know, I I struggle with this, and I remind y'all staff all the time is that you know we can all get negative and pessimistic, and I I got to remind myself almost daily what am I thankful for. Look again at creation. All God's done. All God's right. blessed with. Even even a person who has who has had all kinds of calamity in their life, God gave us life. He gave me breath. Yeah. He gave me the joys of, of other people. And so there's so much there that, that yeah. we could go with it. But I want to I want to get to the last thing we want to talk about okay. on, on on this subject. Uh, again, JD's got more a lot more stuff. <laughs> Actually, these are on. Uh, on our WHBC community page. Yes, so yes. if you want to watch uh, <clears throat> what's going on with youth on Wednesday night, these are there. Right. We'll be continue to be there. But um, so a lot of people aren't going to pick up their Bible. They're not going to. They're not going to read it for themselves. Um, and so, kind of going back to the passage you started with, First First Peter three fifteen. Right. Um, what, what would you say to wrap that up? I think to wrap that up, that there's a statement at the very beginning that says to honor Christ the Lord is holy, and that means. That means to turn everything over to Him. You know, it, it means to fear displeasing Him more than what man's going to do to you. Right. You know, it, it's to, to fear that than what men might do to you. You know, to be satisfied with nothing less but the will of God in our lives. And the one evidence that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives is the readiness that we are to witness. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that is the biggest witness in our life is our life itself, how we live our lives, how we, how we handle things in our life. We act and react. And, and that's what kind of goes back to that practical atheism mm-hmm. statement I made earlier because practical atheism stems from when we appear, when practical atheism stems, when it appears that we live as if there were no God. Yeah. And that's what, that's the, the struggle with atheism and why atheism is growing uh, to quote Brennan Manning, he says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Mm. We're the greatest single cause of atheism because it's Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny Him by their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelieving. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and I've heard atheists speak on that subject that I would believe. I, I w- almost want to believe, but... When I see people who say they believe and I watch their life and it has made no difference in them, why would I want to, you know, jump through all those hoops and limit my life when when 
they're not doing it. They're, you know, they're they're doing the same things I'm doing. They're involved in the same evil acts, yeah. activities. The only thing is, they have to get up early on Sunday. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, that's the only difference. Yeah. And and so, uh, man, this is so important. And I, you know, how many testimonies I've heard of people right here in this town. You know, we had uh, we've had people in our church give this testimony of growing up here, being here, working here, and being around Christians, but never ever hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knowing that, I mean, I call it church anity. I mean, it's not Christianity. We, 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 church we, we, we got church, and we have adopted, uh, you know, and it's we've become culturally Christian, um, which is big here. I mean, it's, I, if, if, just give business people a, a note here. If you want to have a good business, join one of the churches. I mean, it'd, it'd be, you, know, you can be Catholic, you can be go to New Life, you can go to Baptist Church. What, but boy, that helps you in this community because being culturally Christian. But what the world is looking at is. What it, what are they like on Monday? Mm-hmm. How do they treat me in traffic? You know, yep. uh, be careful. My wife reminds me all the time. I've got a Woodland Heights sticker on the back of my truck. She <laughs> yeah. says, you know, sometimes you're not a very good witness there. And people are watching that. If I cut right. somebody off in traffic, yeah, and then you know, I want to tell them about Jesus later. There's less likelihood they're going to listen to me. This is not saying that we don't share the gospel and we don't uh, make a, a, an appeal for our faith. This is not saying that you know it's just your lifestyle that you live, but if you don't live the lifestyle, it what you say doesn't matter. You know, right, my exactly. youth pastor when I was a teenager told me this. He says, uh, "Larry, your actions speak so loudly I can't hear a word you're saying." And and that still, I mean, all these years later, still rings in my ears that that what I'm doing impacts you know what I'm going to say later. And I, I know this. I'm a pastor. Been a pastor for over thirty years, and I've seen guys who. Uh, Great expositors of the Bible could preach, but their lifestyle was not in keeping with this, like this holiness you just talked about, mm-hmm. and it negated all that. It, it, and, and not only that, it did damage for long periods afterwards because people might wonder, well, was this even really true? Because this guy's life didn't match up with that. And I know, I know that's a high calling for us, but we as ministers have that have that on us. Um, but all Christians do. And, and uh, the Lord wants us to, he wants us to be a good example before others. And that may be the gateway because there, there is, you know, this passage you just read says, you know, we're given a defense, be prepared to give a defense. When was the last time somebody asked us, what's different about your life? Right. Why, why is it that you believe the way you do? Why is it you have the hope that you have? Why is it that you have peace in the midst of all this why is it you didn't react the way everyone else i know would have in that situation how did how did you keep calm in that situation why didn't you do this why didn't you do that and and that's that spiritual fork you know you're talked about as you as you teach people how to share the gospel is that's your spiritual fork because why are you different that's awesome you're reflecting that in your reactions and in your actions yeah and and and, you know i'm glad you're teaching our students that i mean because they are right there in the you know in the world that, that a 53 year old man doesn't have access to and, and, and they're not as likely to listen to me, but a 16, 17 year old, whether they are in Conway public schools or Conway Christian or homeschooled or virtual school now, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they have access to people and opportunities that we'll never have. And I'm so glad they're learning this. You know, I wish I had, had been taught some of these things earlier on, would have certainly been helpful to me in ministry, but just in life in general. But this is wonderful. I'm, I wanted y'all to hear what JD's doing with our students. And uh, um, I went in last Wednesday night. This was pretty deep. I was like, he's going over my head a little bit. So, <laughs> so I'm glad you gave me the notes so I can go back and study. But I want to, I want to encourage y'all to pray for JD and our students. 
Um, it is, it is, I can't imagine being a teenager in 2020 and all the things that they are faced with, the challenges, uh, the difficulties, the, the, the decisions that they have to make and uh, uh, they need some strong grounding and I'm glad they're getting it here. And I'm, I'm praying that, that through this teaching you're doing that there's going to be students that come to know the Lord by our students sharing the gospel with them and being able to give a reasonable defense for their faith. Yeah. Well, and I challenge my students, I give you this, this challenge to those of you watching as well. If, if your life looks so much like theirs, meaning those that are non-believers, that they're not asking you why your life is different, then you need to change that. Yeah. That, and that was my challenge to the yeah. students. If nobody's yeah. asking you, you need to change your life. You need to yeah. change the way you're living. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very good. Hey, thank you all for joining us again. We'll be back again next week and got some exciting things coming up in the coming weeks. But thank you for being a part of Sunday Talks again this week.